Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this bonus TLS long read, produced by Noah, News Over Audio. If you'd like to listen to more audio articles from the TLS, you can do so on the TLS website or the News Over Audio app. Narrated by Noah. Listen to more of the world's best journalism on the Noah app or at newsoveraudio.com. You're listening to the TLS. This is One Step Beyond by Colin Thubron a British travel writer and novelist, from the issue of October 7th, 2022. On a planet whose every inch has been photographed by satellite, you might imagine there was no place left for discovery. Moreover, the natural world is no longer a challenge to humankind, but rather its dwindling resource and victim, whose rivers, forests and mountains are not to be conquered but cherished and protected. This casts a poignant light on Leveson Wood's giant anthology Endurance, 100 Tales of Survival, Adventure and Exploration, and perhaps explains why many of its most potent excerpts belong before perceptible climate change, or are accounts not of pure exploration but of drastic accidents. Ships sink, planes crash, wars erupt, survivors and even competent explorers get lost. Over the past decades, along with narratives of travel undertaken for knowledge, there have arisen accounts of physical feats of endurance whose impulse may seem closer to that of athletes. In 2014, Wood himself became the first known Westerner to walk the length of the Nile, and there are many such firsts in this volume. In 2010, Ed Stafford became the first to walk the length of the Amazon. In 1992-1993, Ranulph Fiennes was the first to cross Antarctica on foot. In 2019, the Gurkha Nimsdai Purja became the first to scale the world's 14 highest mountains in six months. In 2012, Laura Decker, aged 16, became the youngest person to circumnavigate the globe alone. In 2017, the astonishing Alex Honnold was the first to scale, without aids, a 3,000-foot rock face in Yosemite National Park. Yet the failures recorded in endurance are sometimes more arresting than the triumphs. 
Even now it is hard to read the journal of the Antarctic explorer Robert Falcon Scott as he reaches the South Pole in mid-January 1912, only to find that his Norwegian rival Roald Amundsen has preempted him by a month. The journal's final entry, written shortly before Scott died within a few blizzard-stricken miles of salvation, still makes for painful reading. Harrowing, too, is the account of Henry Worsley's solo journey in Scott's wake, echoing it more than a century later, even to death. One of the most celebrated failures of all, Ernest Shackleton's attempted crossing of Antarctica in 1914-1916, lends its name to Wood's book. Shackleton's ship, Endurance, was crushed and sunk by pack ice. His crew disembarked and drifted or rowed their lifeboats for five months to an uninhabited island. For 16 days and 800 miles over rough seas, Shackleton continued with a five-man crew to find help, trekked across the glaciers of South Georgia Island to a remote whaling station, and returned to save his men. Wood breaks down his anthology into five sections – Three of them, Against All Odds, Frontiers of Discovery and Pushing the Limits, are almost interchangeable, and his boy's own subtitle opens the floodgates to a near-limitless range of experience, from Byron's Prometheus to the ordeals of astronauts. Yet the book's core narratives are of severely earthbound trials, often extreme. There are fine things here. An extract from the mountaineer Joe Simpson's now-famous Touching the Void, published in 1988, drops readers a hundred feet into the terrifying crevasse in the Peruvian Andes where he's fallen. For over an hour, he dangles from the rope still bound to his partner above. Then the rope severs and he crashes to a ledge above a pitch-black abyss. The stars went out and I fell. Like something come alive, the rope lashed violently against my face, and I fell silently, endlessly into nothingness, as if dreaming of falling. I fell fast, faster than thought, and my own stomach protested at the swooping speed of it. I swept down, and from far above I saw myself falling, and felt nothing. Astonishingly, he absailed down to a fault in the ice wall clawed his way almost vertically out with a shattered leg, and for four days crawled to the camp, where he'd been presumed dead. Just as harrowing is the story of the American mountaineer Aaron Lee Ralston, whose hand was trapped between a dislodged boulder while he was climbing in Utah in 2003. Alone, and faced with near-certain death, he twisted and wrenched until both his radial bone and his ulna broke. Then, methodically, clinically, he amputated his putrefying arm with a blunt pocket knife, severing its ligaments and at last its arteries until he came ecstatically free. Then there is the story of Hiro Onoda, a Japanese intelligence officer during the Second World War, who survived for 29 years in the Philippine jungle, unaware that the war was over. His memoir is filled with the practical business of living, the clothes patched together, the shelters built, he lived on bananas and the meat of local cattle. His companions either died or defected, and he surrendered at last to his former commanding officer, who'd become a bookseller. Endurance is to be savoured piecemeal, its excerpts rarely exceeding ten pages, are each preceded by a succinct paragraph on its author. But these prefaces give little context to what follows, so a reader might not know when in its writer's career an exploit was undertaken or its date, or even the country of its action, and the translator's names often go unrecorded. It was perhaps to alleviate the impact of the gruelling narratives collected here that Wood included an array of other voices, 
Under the rubric of discovery appears not only the Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin's record of his ascent into outer space, which one senses may not have been entirely the work of the man himself, quote, Our socialist motherland is the finest in the world, and all I have achieved I owe to my motherland, I thought, but the brave appeal of Copernicus to the Pope in 1543 for the heliocentric schema promulgated in his On the Revolution of the Heavenly Spheres. While under pioneers and mavericks appears Donald Johansson's lighting upon the fossilised skeleton of Lucy, a milestone in the study of human origins. The concept of survival is similarly diversified. It includes two dramas of great intensity, in which the rescue operations were among the most complex ever undertaken. The journalist James Masola describes the day-by-day ordeal of the Thai schoolboys who became trapped in a cave complex in 2018. The water level is slowly rising, and they survive in an air pocket for 18 days before their deliverance. And in the deepest submarine rescue ever achieved, that of Pisces III, trapped 1,575 feet deep in the Celtic Sea in 1973, Roger Chapman and Roger Mallinson are released with only 12 minutes of oxygen to spare. But a cluster of strange bedfellows follows. A manifesto of non-violence by Gandhi is followed by the prison poems of Ho Chi Minh and a passage from Nelson Mandela's autobiography. Their inclusion may, according to taste, enhance the stature of endurance or blur the focus of an already varied anthology. The sensitivity for writing extreme experience and the robustness to undergo it rarely coexist, and a desire for more polished literature perhaps persuaded Wood to diversify his volume by including fiction. This is a mixed blessing. An excerpt from Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe reads with uncanny authenticity and a closing passage from Melville's Moby Dick still holds its luminous horror. But Conan Doyle's The Lost World and Jules Verne's Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, which seem little more than schoolboy fiction, have been favoured above more powerful novels of hardship such as Patrick White's Voss, published in 1957, or even Cormac McCarthy's The Road, published in 2006. It is, in the end, the stark first-person experience that is most telling in these pages. Inevitably, the question arises, why did people undertake these trials? In what cause? I tell you, wrote the explorer Apsley Cherry Garrard, if you have the desire for knowledge and the power to give it physical expression, go out and explore. And some of those celebrated here fall securely into such a nostrum. Charles Darwin, travelling for science, opined that the joy of living under open skies was a savage return to our earlier nature, and exulted that, in travel, the map of the world ceases to be a blank. It becomes a picture full of the most varied and animated figures. The German naturalist Alexander von Humboldt, who lived from 1769 to 1859, hailed as the father of climate change theory, made gruelling journeys through South America, laden with the latest scientific instruments and driven by near-visionary wonder. And the 14th-century Berber traveller Ibn Battuta traversed three continents out of voracious curiosity for almost 30 years. Others, of course, have become dangerously fixated. The journalist David Gran here records the obsessive quest of the soldier-explorer Percy Fawcett for a city he imagined lost in the Amazon jungle, where he vanished. His fate preyed on later explorers, and fruitless expeditions were mounted in search of him.
In the obsession with a self-set goal, suffering becomes secondary. The hazardous conditions may be essential to achievement. Some, like Captain James Cook, the South Seas explorer, were sustained by an ingrained sense of duty. This can outlast all other motives. Every New Year's Day, for all 29 of his years in the Philippine jungle, Anoda turned in reverence to face the direction of the Emperor's palace. Earlier excerpts here are filled instead with a reliance on God. The Elizabethan privateer Francis Drake, in his circumnavigation of the globe, repeatedly ascribed his escape from storms to divine providence. Ibn Battuta consulted the will of God to direct his travels. And in extreme suffering, the shipwrecked American sailor James Riley, captured by Saharan tribesmen in 1815, could not but believe that the all-seeing eye was watching over my steps and would in due time conduct me by his unerring wisdom into paths that would lead to my deliverance. A chronicle of the career of Alexander Selkirk, the model for Defoe's Robinson Crusoe, marooned and despairing on a Pacific island in 1704, affirmed the whole advantages of that inestimable blessing, a religious education in his youth. It was then he turned to that divine being of whom he'd thought so little at an earlier period. But references to God fade over the centuries, until by the 20th they fire up powerfully only in the missionary Elizabeth Elliot, who returned to minister among the Ecuadorian tribesmen who'd killed her husband, and in the fervently pious Immaculate Ilibagiza, who survived the Rwandan genocide. God was rediscovered by humans in extremis. Among his more unusual entries would include the testimony of a long-time prisoner on death row who converted to Buddhism, and a six-year captive of Al-Qaeda who turned to Islam. All writing on a distant abroad, the wilder reaches of Asia, Africa or the Americas, where most of the excerpts in endurance belong, has today become an ethical minefield. Ever since Edward Said's Orientalism, published in 1978, such accounts have been charged with colonial prejudice. The genre of travel has routinely been accused of fostering Western domination of easy fabrication and Eurocentric ignorance. A century ago, the death of the travel saga was proclaimed by Conrad, followed gloomily by Claude Levi Strauss and professional curmudgeons like Evelyn Waugh and Kingsley Amis even by Susan Sontag. It was being killed off by a worldwide monoculture, Levi Strauss, by television in the 1950s and mass tourism, war, and by its diminished social role, Sontag. Now, beyond war and pandemic, the putative killer is the internet, which makes everywhere seem accessible, enacting travel by illusion. Perhaps because endurance includes few contemporary accounts, scarcely one of its recorded events occurs in this century, the book might be thought the celebration of a lost world of heroics, and its typical protagonist the exemplar of a bygone era. But among the triumphs reported here, the odysseys, the peaks, the circumnavigations, runs an undertow of adventurers who were the victims, not conquerors, of the people and terrain they encountered. James Riley was reduced to Arab slavery and Mungo Park, the pioneer of African exploration, was imprisoned by Moors for four months before escaping nearly destitute. Colonialism in these excerpts is in a sorry condition, and its exponents scarcely typical. 
a piece on the British invasion of Tibet in 1903 by the soldier-explorer Francis Younghusband reveals a thoughtful man who later repented on the slaughter of monks during his campaign and became a spiritualist. The conquistador Bernal Diaz del Castillo, who followed Cortés in his conquest of Mexico in 1519-1521, was cynically critical of the enterprise. The contemporary Spanish soldier Gonzalo Guerrero, in another excerpt, married a Mayan princess and turned against his own people. The most resilient survivor of all, the military surgeon William Bryden, attended one of the worst disasters the British Army ever suffered, the retreat from Kabul in 1814 during the First Anglo-Afghan War. Ambushes and forays annihilated the 16,000-strong British train, and Bryden alone reached safety on an exhausted pony. The prefaces to each extract are sensitive to later concerns. There are allusions to Drake's implications in slave trading, to the imperialist legacy of Captain Cook, to the impact on Native Americans of the cross-continental expedition of Lewis and Clark, even to the Nazi sympathies of the Swedish explorer Sven Hedin. An extended piece by the British writer and archaeologist Gertrude Bell, engaged in a diplomatic initiative in the Arab world after the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, is prefaced by reference to her prophetic misgivings about the creation of Iraq. There are others who journeyed under more personal and obscure impulses. The rebel and Sufi initiate Isabel Eberhardt dressed as an Arab man and died in an Algerian flash flood in 1904 at the age of 27 and the American Christopher McCandless, who lived from 1968 to 1992, abandoned civilization to wander Alaska. They have their counterpart today, in a burgeoning subgenre of travel, journeys whose destinations are primarily internal. Such ventures are typically made on foot, walking to resolve mental pain or mourning, or perhaps from an ineluctable Zenzukt, the passion for what is ever beyond. Health and salvation, wrote Kierkegaard, are only to be found in motion. The appeal of a cult modern travel book, W.G. Sebald's The Rings of Saturn, published in 1995, rises from the author's remembrance of a walk around Suffolk, haunted by estrangement. Similarly, in his monumental Soul Mountain, published in 1990, the Nobel laureate Gao Xinjian traverses central China in a dreamscape of chance encounters and half-fictional memories. Many readers will regret that some favourite is missing from Endurance. An older generation's familiars, Heinrich Harrer's Seven Years in Tibet, published in 1952, Thor Heyerdahl's The Kontiki Expedition, published in 1948, Nicholas Montserrat's The Cruel Sea, published in 1951, are all present. But missing is the wonderful account by Antoine de Saint-Exupri from Wind, Sand and Stars, published in 1943, in which he is dying of thirst, where his plane has crashed in the Libyan desert until he sees in delirium a lone Bedouin, walking towards us over the sand like a god over the waves. And the great Chinese pilgrim Shen Zhang finds no entry, nor Isabella Bird's perilous journey up the Yangtze in 1897. No Charles Doughty no Martha Gellhorn, and Redmond O'Hanlon's In Trouble Again, published in 1988, would have added a welcome dash of levity. Enough. In a world of distraction and instant soundbites, endurance may be out of fashion. But in Leveson Wood's spirited introduction to this ambitious, arresting and occasionally wayward volume, he insists on the inspirational value of his narratives. 
And as the juggernaut of Western capitalism grinds to its halt in a mire of war, displacement, pandemic and climate change, and endurance becomes the lot of ever-widening swathes of population, we may have to relearn it. You've been listening to the TLS. This was One Step Beyond by Colin Thubron from the issue of October the 7th, 2022. It was read by Les Smith for Noah.